Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Brittany with her psycho eyes. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. This is episode 36 of I Doubt It. I am your ever-humble host, Jesse Dollimore, and sitting gracefully across from me is the lovely, talented, benevolent, wonderful co-host, Brittany Page. Thank you. That was so nice. I'm, I'm a pretty nice it guy. It could have kept going. I Look... You fucking take what you get, and you'll like it. I did like it. Thank you. More, please. <laughs> like I said, this is I Doubt It, episode 36. Thanks for joining us. As always, we love and appreciate you, every single one. We do. Except for the haters. Except for the haters. Except for the fucking haters. We have no need for you, haters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thanks for joining us. As always... We beg and admonish you to rate and review us on iTunes, where we can be found, where the vast majority of our traffic comes from. There's also Stitcher. We have a Facebook page and all the other different means of electronic and social communications. They are there. Just Google Dalamore and all that shit will come tumbling out of, your, out of the tubes. Today we have a great show. Oh, wait. Dollamore.com. There's an Amazon link. If you'd like to buy a book or school supplies for your kitties, believe it or not, it's that time, everybody. It's coming up soon. You can buy notebook paper and pencils for your little rugrats. Yes. Or back to school clothes. Yeah. Or maybe I should have saved that for the for the sign out. Yeah. For when we beg again. Oh, you'll you'll think of something else by the time <laughs> we get there. That's good. Right. Anyway, we uh, we appreciate your support very much. Obviously, listening is is supporting the show, and we very much appreciate that. But your purchases, if you're going to spend money there anyway, it goes a little ways to keeping us on these, keeping us in the tubes, keeping the mics hot. Wow, look at that! Yeah, that's quite the that's quite the slangy broadcasting there. Yeah, I tried. Big show today. A little later, we're going to have uh, Dr. Ryan Bell from. A Year Without God, former Seventh-day Adventist pastor for many, many years, and now trying on atheism for a little bit, A Year Without God. We're Good gonna, choice. We're going to talk about uh, the recent beating from a California highway patrolman on a homeless, mentally ill black woman on the side of a freeway in L.A. I think probably everybody's either heard of it or seen the video. He seems like a really nice guy. I don't yeah. know what everyone's upset about. Well, you know, cops are, they're generally there to help. I'm joking. It's terrible. <laughs> so we're, we're going to have him on the show, on the big show, and it's going to be a good time. Yeah. A good time. In other news, Brittany is getting ready to go to grad school. I am. And when is your signing up for classes tomorrow? Yeah. Tomorrow's tomorrow is yeah. registration day. So I'm kind of taking the time to reflect on my journey that it's taken to get here to this point. It was really hard and scary. For sure. And Brittany is prone to anxiety. Mm. Unlike That is an understatement. Brittany is A type. If there was more than if there's an A plus type or a triple A type, that is Brittany. Yeah. I always thought I was a type because <laughs> I've excelled in corporate in jobs and I've always been successful at, at those type of things. And I guess I didn't understand what a type is because that's not what it is. Yeah. Pretty much just a neurotic head case. Yeah. is how you could describe me. <laughs> that is not me. I have a philosophy that 
everything's going to work out in the end. So oh don't, my god. So don't stress. Yeah, <laughs> Someone can... <laughs> like me is like, wait, what did you just say? How are you alive right now? So, but one of the one of the big hurdles, right, to getting to this point was um, taking the GRE, the what is it called, the uh, general revised examination or something. It's like the SAT for grad school. Yeah, it's terrible, and I took it twice. And it's like $185 a time. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's terrible all in itself. But they fist fuck you for sure. Yeah. There's an essay portion and then a math portion, two math portions, two essays, two English sections. And this test was so terrible because what it does is you have like 30 seconds for each section. I mean, 30 minutes. Wow. 30 minutes. I think I might have anxiety yeah. if it was 30 seconds. 30 minutes. Hurry, 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 hurry. <laughs> 30 minutes for each section and when you get to the last five minutes it starts timing you out and flashing and so you're panicking because you know they're fucking letting you know hey yeah like you need to get going times are running yeah and so you have you look at how many questions you have left and it says you know you you've completed 10 of 20 and you have five minutes left you're like wait no i don't i I can't do this what specifically i want you to explain though and this is something that i think is is very unique is like in the math and for everybody they should know Brittany is virtually doesn't know what two plus two is she's not <laughs> very good at math so I, that's fair to say right you're not good oh at yeah math. it's like a disability yeah so in the test explain how in especially in math the questions get harder and harder and then as you start go, explain well, yeah, in all the sections, when you answer the questions, you can kind of gauge how you're doing because if you get it right, they start getting harder. And if you're getting them wrong, they start getting easier. Right. So for like my math questions, <laughs> it would be ones I couldn't do. And then eventually it was like a picture of a chicken and an egg. And it was like equals what kind of dinner could you make from this? You know, like <laughs> just these crazy easy questions. And I'd be able to answer them. So that was exciting. But they were incredibly easy. Right. So, you know something's amiss yeah and then the english ones they would get easier and it would be like does britney like cupcakes yes or no you know and when it would get to those types of questions i would almost want to cry and thinking to myself yeah this isn't going well you're just wishing you had a cupcake yeah but you know what i did well enough because i got into a school that's right and a good school a a school with a good program yeah so that's awesome yeah you it's also you (laughs) going back to school to the land of men wearing backpacks Mm-hmm. Which I I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the show. Men wearing backpacks? No, I don't think I ever have. Have I? No. It, there's only two types of dudes that should wear backpacks. Uh-oh, a beef with men in backpacks. Well, it's it, it's akin to dudes wearing cologne. I mean, they shouldn't do it. But unless you're a student or a tourist, and even tourist is a little iffy, <laughs> you should not wear a backpack. Something's going on. If you see a dude walking around town with a backpack on... Something's going on. He's up to fucking something. There's a sitch. Yeah, absolutely. If you see a man walking around outside of a Target in a suburb and he's wearing a backpack, he's either homeless or he's up to no fucking good. What about a hipster? Don't hipsters wear backpacks? I don't think so. You would have to kind of match how the person looked with nope. whether or not they were wearing a backpack because nope. if they're a hipster they could just be wearing a hipster because i mean wearing a backpack because they're a hipster i don't think well one i don't think hipsters wear backpacks i mean it might be some new crazy fad that's not what i mean i, I i'm not going to just deduce by looking at them because then you could tell if they're homeless a guy in a three-piece suit and a backpack isn't a homeless man he's just a guy who really likes backpacks yeah but something's up that's what i'm saying no this this rule does not you suspend the rule as soon as you walk on or near a college. Yeah. Or if a guy's a tourist, like around New York City or, you know, where there's a, a fucking million tourists like cockroaches. Yeah. You suspend the rule because they're tourists. If they got a camera around their neck, you know, that can be ignored. Yeah. But mark my words, if a guy is randomly walking around with a backpack on, he's either homeless or up to no good. Elliot Roger probably wore a backpack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see? Absolutely. 
I'm God just damn, I'm just trying to, you know, make your argument credible. My here. argument is ironclad. It cannot be defeated. Yeah, I'm trying to make it credible by offering up something that someone possibly might have done. <laughs> so that was good. So you're going back to the land of backpacks and you're excited and that's great. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Yeah, hopefully we'll see. Yeah. Grad school will be a new you're also very anxiety filled just based on the fact that you're going back to get your masters. Yeah. In psychology, clinical psychology. Yeah. I'm just giving information. Listeners like to know. Yeah, well, now they know. They like to know. And they can follow my hopefully successful journey. Hopefully there won't be any moments where Brittany breaks down into tears on the podcast, on the show, because of grad school. Yeah. It'll be before or after the mics go hot. Yeah, that, that will... <laughs> That is the case, yes. So, what is in the hopper today? Well, the first thing that we're going to talk about is a new atheist billboard in Idaho. Mm -hmm. What? Awesome. Uh, Palouse. The Palouse. That's uh, up near the University of Idaho and the sister city of Pullman, well, Moscow, Idaho is where the University of Idaho is, and like four miles away is Pullman, Washington, which is where Washington State University, the mighty Cougs. Right. <laughs> That's the Palouse, that oh, okay. area. Yeah. yeah. I've heard Katie, my best friend, talk about it, but um, I can't ever remember I believe it's what the, the Palouse is. I believe about it. it's the lentil capital of the world. Wow, really? More lentils are grown on the Palouse than anywhere on planet Earth. Jessapedia, everybody. Claim to fame, everybody. The humanists of the Palouse are in process of putting up five billboards in Moscow, Idaho, and Pullman, Washington that emphasize good over God. Now, typically, we kind of talk smack on atheist organizations that put up billboards or try to prevent the Ten Commandments from being put wherever because it's just kind of whatever we don't need to be in everybody's face like everybody else well, it's, is it's just dickish yeah. uh, oftentimes the message gets convoluted and they look like assholes exactly but these billboards are actually i love them one says good works in non-mysterious ways i think that's great that's it that's good, all it says good works in non-mysterious ways yeah it's succinct to the point and truth and it doesn't it doesn't make you feel threatened. It doesn't it's just I think it's great. I think it's a great message too yeah. for everybody to hear. Apparently in two thousand two they had uh two other billboards put up. One said ethical values are derived from human need and interest as tested by experience. That's all it said. It's a lot going on for a billboard. Yeah, people are like driving up to it, trying to read it real quick before they crash. Very but it's very cerebral too for a yeah. billboard. It should be good works in non-mysterious ways that's awesome yeah where if they're talking ex well experientially we're yeah it's too much it is too much okay especially then, for people on the palouse <laughs> ouch and so this this other one said working to benefit society maximizes individual happiness that's good a little bit verbose a little wordy yeah but good nonetheless so i think this latest one is the real gem out of the batch and the good yeah the good works in non-mysterious ways yeah so good for you that's one humanist organization that is actually getting it done and doing it doing it the right way yeah and they happen to be from near where i grew up nice yeah about a half hour through windy crazy mountain roads from moscow to my hometown well in idaho is very much a red state absolutely so it's kind of interesting that there is a large enough humanist population to where they're putting up billboards in that area that's kind of odd especially to me. there because that area and also eastern washington near spokane which this is about an hour and a half or two hours from spokane washington is fucking red yeah. I mean, washington as a whole is blue it's pretty blue it's pretty democratic but it is definitely Republican. There was a congressman in the in '94 when the House was taken over with Newt Gingrich and the whole conservative revolution. Yeah, uh, George Nethercutt, and he was the congress. Shut up. I'm just I'm marveling at the Jessapedia <laughs> sitting across from me that just knows what is his name Leathercut. George Nether Nethercutt. Nethercutt. Anyway, he was a lawyer from Spokane. And yeah, he was. 
God damn it. <laughs> All right, never mind. No, no I want to hear. Anyway, I'm just... he, he was a super conservative, a very nice guy, but super conservative, wildly very Newt Gingrich, you know, yeah. on the bandwagon. Yeah. And that is very emblematic of that particular congressional district in that area. There are Spokane is a, is a is a is a community with about 200,000 people in it and there are many I don't know how many but it's more it's at least five at least five maybe 10 Christian radio stations. It's amazing. That is too much. Yeah, I I would say so. Well, one Unless it's Christian talk, which has its merits. It, nobody for entertainment purposes? Yes. Nobody needs to listen to Christian contemporary music. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Yeah, it is. Oh, oh, he's my man, Jesus. All whispery and... What song is that? I, it sounds exactly like a song it's I've a good, heard on a station. It's, it's, it's like Nickelback. Dial Nickelback. <laughs> this is kind of odd to say, but dial back Nickelback. To where it's whispery, and that's fucking the bullshit that they sing. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. So, what are you going to do? I wonder if Nether Bottom... Nether Cut. Nether Cut uh, felt that... He's not a Harry Potter cat character. I, I don't know why I keep trying to make him one, but <laughs> I wonder if he also feels that multicolored cleats make the World Cup a homosexual abomination. Oh, you're talking about that Russian priest? Yes, a prominent Russian Orthodox priest has kicked off the hate by calling the multicolored cleats worn by the players in the World Cup a homosexual abomination. <laughs> They're not even rainbow cleats. They're like yellow. And I think there's a couple that are pink. They're not multicolored. It's one dude has a pair of yellow sneakers on. Yeah, well, listen to what he has to say about that. Wearing pink or blue shoes... The players might as well wear women's panties or a bra. Makes a lot of sense. If you're going to wear blue tennis shoes, you may as well be wearing a bra. That, that's logic. I know. Why is he taking issues with, I mean, that's, issue with blue shoes? Because usually when, you know, you have a baby, you find out you're pregnant. Oh, are we going to have a pink or blue theme? Because right. it's boy or girl. Right. But he's taking issue with blue shoes. Well, I don't get, well, well, here's the deal. This guy, they just passed a lot of anti-homosexual legislation in Russia. Yeah. So the deal with Russia, and they're still very Soviet in the way that they're run and their attitudes, they're not far off from being a communist dictatorship. So a lot of the the way it's run, especially with Putin, who is a former um, KGB middleman. Yeah. So he's, he's that kind of a crony. He's that type of a strong man. Um, they want to suck this guy's dick. They love to be in in with the in crowd politically, and that's what this dickhead's doing. I mean, he probably does believe it because he's a, a religious, a, a Christian. Yeah. But he's for sure jumping on Putin's bandwagon relative to the anti-homosexuality legislation that they've passed. Yeah, it's funny because he didn't just take issue with the colorful shoes. He said he was also offended by the, quote, unthinkable hairstyles of some of the players in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Quote, the liberal ideology of globalism clearly wants to oppose Christianity with football. I'm sure of it. Therefore, I am glad that the Russian players have failed and by the grace of God no longer participate in this homosexual abomination. So he's like the Russian Fred Phelps, except he's alive and Fred Phelps is dead. By the grace of God, the Russian players have failed in the World <laughs> Cup. It's it's like he, you know, would be standing outside and see a rainbow and then get angry because of the gayness in the sky or something. Yeah, that's very Fred Phelps-esque. Yeah. He would say, God is an abomination because that rainbow is colorful. Yeah. <laughs> he probably hates fucking peacocks. <laughs> Holy shit. Those need to be outlawed in Russia. <laughs> I'm sure that's the next legislation. Colorful birds be damned. Yeah. Parrots, peacocks on their way out. Penguins? Okay. Yeah, penguins are good. Penguins are good. They're classy. Toucan Sam, he probably hates that fucking cereal. <laughs> what cere what's the name of that cereal? Fruit Loops, right? Fruit Loops, right, yeah. yeah. He probably hates that. It's that, too colorful. That homo bird needs to fucking go. Yeah. Nyet. Homosexual abomination, Fruit Loops. <laughs> yeah, it's bad news. That goddamn uh, ribbit, Sugar Smacks or whatever, they still make those? Yeah. He probably hates that fucking frog, too. Yeah. Goddamn frog. Seriously. 
Speaking of animals, not colorful animals, he probably would be in support of this particular animal. Yes, Brian the Bonobo. Brian the Bonobo. I didn't I've heard of Bonobo, but looking at this 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 animal, this this ape, this chimp. Oh, he's a monster. He looks like a chimpanzee though. I I didn't know that they were that closely related to chimpanzees. Yeah, this guy looks like he would rip your face off. I've said it on this program before. Chimpanzees, I think they can bench like 1500 pounds could rip you fucking limb from limb there's on the we'll we'll share this link to the facebook page and the photograph of brian the bonobo grabbing onto the fence and interacting with his bonobo keeper his arm is massive and he looks very scary yeah they're they're he's muscular yeah they're they're he's good pretty to go. ripped it looks like he's on some hgh just, I mean, the zookeepers might want to look into that. He's the, uh, he's the, the Hugh Jackman of apes. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian the Bonobo was showing some concerning behaviors. He was clearly distraught. He spent his days pacing in circles, vomiting repeatedly, and pulling out his own fingernails. And he was incapable oh, of... Wait, pulling out his own fingernails? Yeah. So he... He, he was like you. He has anxiety. Yeah, he was definitely <laughs> having some self-destructive behaviors. And he was incapable of socializing normally with his peers, his fellow bonobos. So they brought in a psychiatrist to help him. A psychiatrist that works was, with humans. Was it a bonobo or was it a human psychiatrist? No, it was a human oh, psychiatrist okay. All right. who has only ever worked with humans. But they thought that, you know, since we're so alike... Yeah. That there would be some consistencies to being able to help the bonobo like he would help a human. It's like 98% of our DNA is the same as chimps and I would assume bonobos because they look just like fucking chimps. Yeah. So Brian's story is told in a new book by Laurel Breitman uh, called Animal Madness, How Anxious Dogs, Compulsive Parrots, and Elephants in Recovery Help Us Understand Ourselves. And they kind of talk about Brian's journey to recovery. And he started working with this psychiatrist, Harry Prozen. And he started working with Brian. They figured out that Brian had never been around females growing up, which is abnormal for a bonobo. He had only ever spent time with his father, and they figured out that he was sexually abused by his father. Wow. Which really? I don't know how they figured that out. I mean, I, I'm going to read this book, so I'll definitely report back, I guess. Do a book report for the but, listeners. Yeah, because it's really interesting. Um, they found out he had been abused, and so he was exhibiting these behaviors very much like a human that had been abused right. would. Destructive. Yeah, not being able to socialize normally, you know, having self-destructive behaviors. Like, he effectively was like a cutter. Yeah. Like those teenagers who have been sexually abused and they don't have an outlet for their their troubles, yeah. their emotional angst, so they cut themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And like they, they say in this article, um, you know, the fact that a human psychiatrist was able to treat this bonobo shouldn't be surprising. The author of the book said... I think that we have so many similarities when it comes to emotional distress, and that's definitely apparent. So they prescribed him Paxil. Just regular Paxil, not not uh, tweaked or changed in any way? Uh, they don't get into specifics about it. Maybe huh. it's in the book. I, I, I'll report back I would again. assume it's probably the same. Yeah, so they gave him some Paxil. They started working with him to kind of socialize him and show him what was normal hmm. with other bonobos. And... Today, he is no longer on medication, and he's a leader in his bonobo troop. A leader. Yeah. So he went from pulling out his fingernails, not being able to socialize, you know, having these major problems to... To, to being a boss. To several years later, yeah, now he doesn't need to be on medication, he's able to socialize, and he's a leader. That's awesome. Yeah, so he went through therapy, and now he's better. A testament to just how important... And what's great about this is we have the benefit. Th therapy for humans can be so dramatically important because talk therapy, you get to interact and have a common language with, with your treatment professional, your psychiatrist or your psychologist. And what's great about this is they were able to enact and, and, and provide a positive outcome for this, this primate without the courtesy or the benefit 
of a common language. That's awesome. Well, yeah, and they did talk about things like speaking to him with calm, measured voices, using very like calm tones around him because it he had anxiety. Yeah, and they also talked about that his recovery was aided by other bonobos. Two healthy bonobos. Yeah, two older bonobos actually helped him through his rough patches, and they were willing to tolerate his erratic behavior. You know, and instead of getting mad at him and hurting him like other other bonobos had done in the past, they were helpful to him. It's awesome. And the psychiatrist said it became evident that the bonobos are supremely empathetic and possibly more empathetic than us. Well, that's I don't think that takes very much. Yeah, there's many of us who are not very empathetic. That's a good point. It's fascinating, though. Super, super interesting. I'd be uh, very interested to hear what you find out in the book. Or as you're reading it, we can we can touch on it and from episode to episode. Yeah. So moving on to our main topic, the CHP officer who beat a mentally ill homeless woman who was wandering in and out of traffic on the freeways in L.A. We have a special guest today. All right. Well... With us today, very excited. Uh, other than uh, <laughs> other than Brett McAfee with our our defunct and canceled religious roundup segment, we have with us today very excited Dr. Ryan Bell from the famed A Year Without God. <laughs> how are you? How are you doing, Ryan? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Great. Um, well, that that sounded canned and 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 rehearsed that was shitty yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> on my part or your part no on mine i'm like yeah oh, great <laughs> <laughs> no it sounded fine so to get to give the audience a little background on you um you were a a, a for about 20 years you were a pastor of, of the hollywood seventh-day adventist church is that uh yes that's right pretty accurate i wasn't 20 years at that church i was eight years at that church but a cumulative 20 years in the adventist church various various different churches so dedicated your life, or a large part of it. Half of it, yes. Yeah. Before wow. that, I was far too young to be a pastor. So, in in maybe in that faith, I've I've seen some pretty wacky, <laughs> indeed, pretty, pretty wacky ass things with. Well, I grew up in, uh, I don't want to say Pentecostal, but spirit filled. You know, jumping around and speaking in tongues. That was my flavor of Christianity. So right. So for the audience to know that you. you several months ago, went on this journey of to kind of live as an atheist, to think as an atheist, and you're in a period of self-discovery re- relative to that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. In January 1st, actually, of this year, I sort of gave up God for the year, and um, I was sort of on the cusp of losing my faith, I think, anyway, and I just didn't have any institutional loyalties uh, to hold me back. And I just decided I, I want to explore the dark side, if you will. So, (laughs) well, uh, let me be not the first, but let me be someone just to welcome you to the dark side. Thank you. It's (laughs) yeah. The snacks are good over here. (laughs) The green room is always full. It's always full. Yes. So, so why I have you on the show today, um, something took place on your Facebook page um, relative to, I think everybody knows, the, the California Highway Patrol officer who had, was caught on video violently, viciously, um, unjustified. There's no way that this could be justified. Unjustifiably beating uh, a, a mentally ill black woman on the side of one of the freeways, one of the many freeways in LA. And you, you I want to just give it context. You said for two days, I've been hearing about the mentally ill homeless African-American woman punched repeatedly in the face by a white CHP officer. Then I watched the video myself. As one man said on the radio, they treat dogs better than this. They stop, they stop traffic. And then you say, did I mention she's homeless and mentally ill? watch the video and be angry, then determined to stand against racism and abuse of all types. So this spurned um, a, a wild litany. A hundred <laughs> at, this, yeah. at this moment. There are a hundred comments. We're going to link to it on the, show's, on the show's Facebook page, and I would invite everybody to... Um, <laughs> to, to well, to at least read it. <laughs> let's let's get it to three hundred comments. No, why not? By by dinner time, uh, Pacific time, I think we should be able to get three hundred. 
But we are, uh, I'll let you know that um, this, we don't run our podcast like Pendulette, the venerable Pendulette. I don't know. You, you were with him. The Reverend. Right. right. Off topic, but you just mentioned something about being a humanist uh, pastor or uh, officiant at weddings. I actually married my best friend and his wife. Oh, cool. And it takes about not quite as much education as you took. It took me all of about two and a half minutes to sign up. So <laughs> Nice. And I just found out in New York, you don't where I'm going to be in uh, upstate, you don't need any credentials at all. You just need to sign and sign the form. <laughs> Yeah, right. You're just in, in essentially a witness, which is yeah. what, what it, sh- it should be that. So before we get into this and what took place in the the, hun- the hundred over a hundred comments, I kind of wanted to give you because you're you're more of a the, you follow that that social justice kind of a of a of an attitude, and you're you're very into poverty and homeless issues and race, and I want this. There was a common thread in the thread mm. that was. Um, white privilege or privilege. And I kind of wanted to give you an opportunity to define what you believe or you understand white privilege to be. Uh, Sure. Yeah. I think I'd love to put it in the context of privilege. Um, We, I I would, I taught a class in intercultural communication for a number of years. And even when I was a pastor, I talked a lot about privilege. In fact, the last series of sermons I gave at my church before I resigned was called the five deadly sins of the church, and we were essentially looking at various types of privilege um, and the way that it's affected and poisoned the church through the millennia. And um, so, privilege it comes in a lot of different varieties, and each of us carry one or more types of privilege in our sort of portfolio of privilege. And there's you know, morally speaking, there's nothing wrong with privilege and that we don't do anything to, to get it. You know, it's, it's, they're essentially accidents of birth. Um, I have certain privileges afforded to me by the fact that I was born in the United States and not in Pakistan or, or, sure. or not in, you know, Indonesia or something like that. I, and, and p- perhaps there are privileges of being born in those places that I don't have here. I'm not sure. I'm not, you know, up on all of that. But there are privileges that men have that women don't have. Um, and again, that's not a fault of men necessarily because we were just accidentally born men. Um, but we sort of carry this privilege that uh, we didn't ask for. And so, you know, my thing is not to feel guilty about having our, the various privileges that we have. Uh, it's sort of on a sliding scale. So, and, and whiteness is one of them. And, and sociologically speaking, Whiteness is not is more than the color of your skin. It's a it's a sociocultural, I guess, attribute um, or or a place in society that's afforded uh, to white people. Um, you know, I don't have the exact statistics, but there's a a common adage that that people will say, like that a black person has to work, you know, half again as hard at their job to receive the same advancement or the, receive the same promotion. It's just not as easy for people of color to advance in society, um, though it is possible, of course, and getting more possible, I, I think, the more fair and equitable our society becomes. So privilege is just a way of thinking about um, the unconscious ways that I benefit from being who I am that other people don't have access to. And by definition, these privileges are really unexamined and unconscious. I don't walk around every day thinking about being white. Um, and the fact that I don't is an indication of my white privilege. Um, a black person on most days is consciously aware of their blackness and that society is that they're in some ways going against the grain of society and again this is not something to feel guilty about but it's something to be aware of and conscious of and i try to compensate for my privilege by raising the consciousness of white people to what might be their unconscious uh privilege yeah i definitely think that 
you know, the, the phrase check your privilege, it's about, you know, realizing what your experiences have been and trying to relate to people on their level. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it, there's it, there's definitely a benefit to the idea of privilege or checking one's privilege. I don't think the idea is, you know, misguided. I think it's based on, you know, developing empathy for this perspective of others. And this is positive and definitely a necessity for discussion. But it often seems like, and this was definitely the case in the thread, that accusing people of not having checked their privilege or needing to check their privilege really kind of like disrupts communication, it seems. Yeah. And that's, go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. No, I I agree. And I I think I got things off on the wrong foot. And I didn't even really notice it again until, uh, Jesse, you read it out loud. The last sentence of the original post was then, then determined to stand against racism and abuse of all types which really then sort of implicitly says that this cop is guilty of being a racist, um, which is an opinion one could have, but as others pointed out on the thread, isn't clear from just the video alone that he, yeah. that he is in fact a racist. Um, we, 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 sorry to cut no, you no, off. No, no, go for we, it. We dubbed one of the participants in the thread who actually kind of kicked off questioning whether it was racism. Uh, we've dubbed Brittany and I have dubbed him poor Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He really got his nose bent. Um, and I and I didn't give up on him I, in part because, you know, everybody in this conversation, I believe, except for one or two people I know personally, like I've, okay. I've met you and Brittany, I, both of you. And he used to uh, when I was a pastor, he played bass in our worship band. I don't know if he still does. And a few other people in the thread. Leslie, I know personally. So these are people that I have real life relationships with. And I know him and I didn't want to just say, okay, dude, whatever. Well, it was, here's my thing, because I think that we have, I don't want to say a fundamental disagreement about this matter, because it sounds like that you've, that that last line is really what set this thing in motion. But checking one's privilege, it seems like you know, it should be a method by which we communicate more effectively. But oftentimes I see that it devolves. It's a vehicle for the conversation to devolve into either obstructing or diverting the conversation to another topic. Yeah. I think, I think what happens is that like any other self-examination, it's intended to be exactly that a self-examination and to say, hey, you, check your privilege, is an accusation. Um, and anytime you start accusing people of things, they get really defensive, understandably. And, you know, and I was accused of lots of things when I started the year without God. And maybe some of those, right, right. Maybe some of those accusations were accurate. And actually, a couple of them really made me think, like, well, am I being honest? Or what am I really doing here? Initially, though, those accusations sting, you know? They're like, ugh, I hate being accused of things that I didn't intend or didn't mean. So that definitely does impede conversation. Um, you know, on the other hand, I just think it's in general, the more privilege, privileges you carry, the more you need to be thinking to yourself, I might have a blind spot here. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But what I'm saying, it, it's lines like, and I'm not naming any names here, but um, someone said to, to poor Daniel, uh, Daniel, you speak like a true white privileged male. And then there was another one, your race doesn't make you wrong. Your mentality is what the, what's the problem. When what happened in this particular conversation is, and whether it was racist or not, what happened was rather than talk about the issue of her, this woman's brutal beatdown, we got off track with privilege and all these other things that took the focus off what really should be focused on and where the anger, like you said, get angry because this is, this is worthy of abs, abject anger and, and ugh, revolt right. by the public. Right. And I, and I think, and what I tried to highlight in the original post and didn't quite succeed, uh, is the fact that she's mentally ill to me is the most egregious thing. Like regardless of her race, she's, not only defenseless, and in the video you can see her putting her arms up over her head to protect herself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's like she's in like a, a fetal position. I, I just – like I – Well, for those, 
for those who haven't seen the video, it's he's on top of her. If anybody's watched MMA, it's like Randy Gatour getting on top of somebody and just ground and pound. He's he's not uh, he's not restraining her. He's not st- trying to get her to stop going into the road. It is it is blows he's right. raining blows down on this helpless defenseless woman and and i tried to think of like the worst case scenario like let's say she's got a knife and she pulled it well first of all he didn't draw his weapon so i'm guessing there probably isn't a weapon but let's say for example there is a weapon he's clearly subdued her <laughs> so just yeah. cuff her and put her in the car you know but and and then there's cars on the on ramp stopped it's, this is not a grainy video. This is like up close as if someone is filming it for a movie. Right, right. It's, well, it's so, – so I guess part of my issue was I don't know, and, and this might be my skepticism, mm. uh, which informs also my atheism, which informs much else that goes on in my life. Yeah. But I think that when we're super quick – to use the word racism, and I'm not, I would never say that there isn't racism in our society. Uh, I wouldn't say that there's no more, oh, we have a black president, Obama, so oh, it's cleared up, no more problem. Right. I, I think that's ignorant. Um, but to this degree, or in this case, I think that we, we were in danger of crying wolf. And if you know what I mean by that, mm. if, if you cry racism when there's no reason to think there's racism. Then when racism really happens, people are desensitized mm. to, to it actually happening. I mean, the, the issue is diluted. Our outrage gets diluted. I don't know. I mean, well, what, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And later down, I mean, it took me a few strokes of my fingers here to get down that far in the thread. But toward the end of the thread, um, I right after one of your comments, actually... Um, I said, here's the thing, racism is a hot-button word. I can't think of a single person who would say, I'm a racist, except for someone who's been through an AA-like process where they realize they're sick. It's more helpful to think of implicit bias and systemic racism. I would not be surprised at all if the cop in question has close black friends that he spends time with and plays sports with, drinks a beer with. What probably, not certainly, but probably happened in this case is that this police officer acted in ways that were scripted for him by society. He sees one... He sees a one, mentally ill, two, woman, who is three, also a person of color, and his instincts take over. She was not threatening his life. So what was it that, you know, took over his, his mind? Um, I would not say the CHP officer is a racist. He may very well be. If he is, he's likely not aware of it and would deny it. I would say, though, that he's expressing his power in patriarchal and racialized ways. Ra- well, it says, you know, autocorrect changed it to radicalized. It's supposed to, sure, sure. It's supposed to be racialized. So I, I think when we accuse people of being racist, that is probably the quickest way for the conversation to derail. Um, it, it's sort of like Israeli-Palestinian dialogue. If you accuse someone of being an anti-Semite, you know, you pretty much, the conversation's over at that point, you know. And so I, but, but there is, implicit bias. And so when I, for example, I, there's a website, if you Google implicit bias, you can find a test that they've been using at Harvard for years to compile data about implicit bias. And you can participate. I believe they keep all that data if you, choose, if you check the right box to allow them to uh, for their research. And I used to do it with my students. And almost all of us, including many of the black students in the room, came out with oh, implicit bias for white people. Um, and it made everybody in the class really angry. It, it was the worst day of class. It was the f- most fun and also the most <laughs> painful day of class for me because all of the students said to me, I'm not a racist. This thing is a bull- bunch of bull. Like, how can this be, you know, accusing me of being a racist? And I said, well, hold, hold on a second. It didn't say you're a racist, which would be, in my book, explicit, expressed hostility to people of another race. Like, if you said black people are stupid or inferior or couldn't, shouldn't be able to marry white people or like things like that. Now that's like explicit racism. Sure. Implicit bias is simply to say that we have an instinct when we ha- run across a black person as opposed to when we run across a white person. And some of that might be socially scripted into us. Some of it we might have had a bad experience with someone of another race that triggers in us a, a, an instinctual response 
even some black people have implicit bias. I learned about implicit bias from, um, who's that guy uh, who wrote Blink and Malcolm Gladwell. And he, he's sure. of African-American descent. And he said, you know, when he did it, he came out with an, an implicit bias for white people because he was raised in a predominantly white society that taught him that white is superior. And so we just have these instinctual um, responses. And it doesn't mean we're racist. It just means we have biases that we need to be aware of and conscious of. And then those biases get scripted into our social system so that black people are incarcerated, for example, like two to three times more frequently than white people for the same exact offenses. And, yeah. and then we have real problems. Yeah, I definitely, this is why I, I brought up the Kelly Thomas issue in the thread, which Kelly Thomas, just to remind everybody, is the homeless man who was beaten to death by the Fullerton police officers. It was also caught on video and they were not prosecuted. Um, and yeah, it's very, very heartbreaking. So Kelly Thomas died and he was beaten. One of the cops was named Manuel Ramos. So he's not white. And he beat a white man to death. And I remember when this was going down, I didn't hear anyone talking about the race angle except for white supremacists, mm. which is kind of interesting because, you know, the white supremacists were yelling about, well, why isn't anyone talking about how a person of color beat a black person to death or I'm sorry, beat a white person to death. And it was the white supremacists who were angry about the race issue. But no one else was talking about the race angle. So it's kind of interesting that when it is a white cop and a black cop, the race issue is present in everybody's minds. But then when it's the reverse, it's present in white supremacist minds. Yeah, I mean, I think if there were one of each, then then I could see that being a, a, a big problem. Um, like if there was one case of a white cop killing or beating a black man and one case of a Latino cop beating and killing a white man, and then it was sort of equal. But there's just so many more cases of police brutality and, and driving while black and the relationship of the cops to the black community in particular, but also, and to a lesser degree, the Latino community, is just really perpetual and um, overwhelming. You, we think of Rodney King as another prominent example that led to really a huge civil, civil unrest in, in the city 20 years ago. Um, and so anyway, I just don't think it's kind of, I, I totally see your point that there's way more going on here than just race. There's, it's mainly power. And the I was, that's what you, I was leading. I was just going to say, wouldn't, don't you think it would be better um, that we would all be better served if we focused on those in power and those out of power. Yeah, and I think power is another way of talking about privilege, honestly. You could even, in this context, almost use them interchangeably. There are things that gave that man power over the woman that he beat. One was the fact that he's a cop and he's got a weapon or two or three on him. And sure. she's, you know, apparently, allegedly uh, unarmed and mentally ill, and he's in his right mind, supposedly, although you have to question that now. Uh, definitely. Uh, and, you know, he's a man, and he's larger, and he's, and, and he's got, you know, so he has all of these advantages over her, which any decent human being would, like, you know, I don't want to be uh, now to be accused of being a misogynist, but my, my mom taught me I shouldn't hit a woman, uh, whether or hit anyone, frankly, but just well, there are there's something there are clearly defined differences biologically, muscularly, yeah. skeletally between men and women. So I don't think it's it, you're exhibiting any any. Well, I'll say it. I tell you what, I'll do it, and I'll take the. You can email me, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I guess to get to the crux of the matter is I, I think that we are, and for some some for good reason, but I think often we are too racially obsessed in this country mm. too, too much i think maybe and 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 if because it it is if it is institutionalized and systemic then it's a macro problem yeah. and how how would you suggest that we as individuals deal move forward in our society to eradicate this problem that exists on a massive macro level well that's a yeah that's a I, big question i, I would say Individually, we have to do more checking of our own privilege and less accusing other people or ordering other people to check theirs. I mean, so so that I think yeah, I think that's good. I think pe yeah. you know people of uh, uh, that are white 
or have uh, other advantages, economic advantages or whatever. We just all need to be more aware of the ways in which we, you know, we didn't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We, we had a lot of help. Um, and some of that help we didn't earn. We, we just were accidentally born to parents who could afford to send us to college, for example. Um, yeah, but that's, that's not... For instance, I mean, I grew up poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brittany, Hurst, I should let her describe her upbringing. It is she just because she's not black or a male, she I think she can identify in a lot of ways with them and their plight because she grew up. Well, I mean, I, I'm uncomfortable with there's so many people, especially on this thread that are so comfortable, you know, proclaiming that someone needs to check their privilege assuming that they know what someone's background is. And, and I am some, I, both my parents are mentally ill. My father's in prison. Uh, I was raised in a single parent household. I grew up, you know, on food stamps, worrying about money problems constantly. I don't talk to either of my parents and haven't since I was 18, put myself through school. I'm getting ready to go to graduate school. I, I did that on my own. And I don't expect someone who has, let's say, a intact family who comes from a, you know, a higher income. I don't look at them and say, oh, you can't understand what I've gone through. Please, you know, check your privilege before you speak to me. I would never really I would never say that to someone. I've, I've been able to connect with people from all different kinds of backgrounds it doesn't matter where they come from. And I've had people be able to understand what I've gone through and I can understand their situation. So that's kind of where my issue, my personal issue with check your privilege comes from. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And again, we all have these hidden stories. What's interesting about your story is that your, uh, the challenges of your childhood are masked or hidden behind an appearance of, probably way more privileged than you actually experienced. And that's a different kind of, uh, perhaps a different kind of discrimination. You know, people might look at you and say, well, look at you, you know, Miss Newport Beach, and you've got a nice college degree and everything. And they don't realize that, you know, you really did find your own way and, uh, you know, found a way to succeed in life. Brittany definitely pulled herself up by boots, <laughs> bootstraps that she didn't even have boots. Yeah, so. just, the, just the straps, just the straps. <laughs> right. uh, so. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think things are, I mean, racialized, but also highly politicized. And, you know, so I think in general to um, focus on our own issues and to say, you know, basic communication, you know, like use I statements instead of you statements, you know, like, yeah. like well, yeah, yeah. I particularly find this to be my set of privileges that I need to examine as opposed to, well, you should be checking your privileges or whatever. I also think though on the term issue of like systemic um, racism, there, there is a lot of, of work there to be done politically um, as well as just grassroots organizing and activism. I, I, and I'll just mention again, the mass incarceration issue. Anybody I would say there, there's a great article I can send to you, um, which deals specifically with, um, I believe it's marijuana uh, uh, convictions. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, it was a Washington Post uh, article from uh, earlier in June, June 4, so just about a month ago. And the article is called The Black-White Marijuana Arrest Gap in nine charts. And so it's, you know, for, for people like me who prefer to look at pictures, uh, there's a (laughs) lot of cool pictures that show this unbelievable gap in marijuana arrests, white versus black. And, and again, the, the thing about this is there's no evil mastermind behind this. If we could just get him and put him in jail, race problem would go away. Or her. Or her. Or her in jail. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Let's use the her for the evil mastermind. That's good. (laughs) Uh, but, but this is a problem that we all, you know, it's not easily fixed. So I think awareness about it, um, when there's opportunities for Congress to vote on things and to equalize things. Um, the other thing I would say is, um, Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow, really, uh, transformed my thinking about what actually is systemic racism in this country. Um, and it's, it's pretty shocking and, and. I think, uh, well-reasoned. She's a lawyer, so she reasons and thinks and expresses herself like a lawyer. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely send us that link so that we can put that up on the podcast page and on the podcast Twitter for everyone to read or look at. Look at the pretty pictures. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's good. So I think we all have to do our part. And um, I guess less accusation. I, I got so angry by seeing that video. And I've seen this before where a white cop beats up on a black person or a brown person. And I think I just immediately felt... Um, that it's likely, and I still think it's likely that race is a component, although I doubt we'll ever know. We, uh, um, because he's not going to just say, oh yeah, I beat her up because she's black. There's just no way he's going to say that. Right, and I guess coming back to kind of the skepticism that informs my view, my worldview is unless we have that, it's, I think it's a disservice yeah. that poisons the dialogue uh, and dilutes the outrage, like I've said, to just jump to the conclusion that it was racism. When when there's so many other things to jump on to say, I mean, listen, our, this podcast is, it, it, there's a little red E on our logo, which is explicit. We, <laughs> It's an adult program, and oftentimes I get angry and I play CeeLo, a little clip from CeeLo's uh Fuck you song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it absolutely applies here. And it does oftentimes when, because I think that if you're, if you're in the public trust, a a police officer, a judge, uh, a a, a political figure, I think you should be held to a higher standard than you and me. Well, they gave him a gun and and told him to go out over people. Exactly. And told him to go out in the public with that gun and that power that by itself, I mean, maybe she spit in his face. And if someone what? spits in my face, I'm going to want to punch them. But he's a cop. He doesn't get to do that. That's exactly right. He's, he, he's trained to specifically – I mean, I was in the Marine Corps, and that's a joke because I say it on every single show. But <laughs> having been in the Marine Corps, we are taught many, many different things that the normal public doesn't get to – they don't get to know because they're not going to be in the same situations as us. I was held to a higher standard. And – he, I really believe that this. He should be prosecuted. He should be. Uh, it should be a felony. He should lose his right to vote. He shouldn't be able to own a firearm for the rest of his life. There, there are consequences to these actions that he took that should be levied. And the problem is his his union is probably going to stand behind him, and it, he he might lose his job. But I don't think there'll be prosecution. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so interested to find out. I mean the. The fact that we all have smartphones these days, I think, is a good thing in this way because it is documenting more and more. And cops now have them running in their video cameras, running in their dashboards most of the time. We did. We just did a story, and this is one that uh, you can either go to our Facebook page or, um, and I'm talking to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not just the audience. Um, we did a, on our last episode did a show about a cop in Albuquerque. Uh, Jeremy Deer is his name, and he. Uh, shot and killed a woman who who allegedly stole a car that he chased. She got out of the car and was on foot, and he shot her three times and killed her. And his lapel camera was, oh, it malfunctioned. Uh, but this wasn't the first time that he was involved in an assault. Oh, my. The third time. Uh, the third time that his lapel camera mysteriously stopped operating while he was in, in, the, in commission of assaulting. One was just a traffic stop, and he punched a guy in the stomach and, and, and kneed him in the balls. So, and this time somebody do. lost their life, you know? It's That's like exactly they right. They were trying to go home from work, or they were trying to go to the grocery store, and they ended up dead. Like, it's just... Uh, very, very frustrating. Anyway, I think we'll probably wrap it up with that. Sure. I, this has been very informative um, because we I, I, oftentimes, I mean, I, 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 I'm your friend on Facebook and then I also follow A Year Without God, mm. your Facebook page. And oftentimes you post things that we're, we're not necessarily in sync or totally simpatico on, but mm-hmm. uh, this has been good. I think that it, it will inform the conversation going forward that hopefully – Many of the people on that, the, the over 100 comments on that thread would would maybe, if they listen to this, maybe check their communication skills a little bit and not yeah not be pointing the finger so much at everybody else. Yeah, and I think the other the, the final thing maybe for me to say is that there's a lot of anger in the black community that's been percolating for a long time, and so I personally, when I encounter anger from people that have been oppressed, whether it's women or men or, or uh, people of color or whoever, 
I try to give them a little grace because they have been so badly treated in general. And so that, that might be try try to hear the anger as an expression of maybe years. And this is not their first rodeo, you know, this, this yeah. particular Facebook thread. I, I definitely think that's valid for sure. And, you know, and I think this conversation has gone a long way to maybe educate some people to those points. Yeah. So well, I appreciate you doing it. Well, it's uh, <laughs> trying to make a world a better place one podcast one at a time. Page, Ryan. And one blog post <laughs> and one podcast at a time. Are you? Uh, in, is there anything you'd like to? I know that you you have a film crew following you around right now. Is that uh, something that's yeah in the works? Yeah, it's not as following around as you might think. Like we 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 meet up once a week, every other week, and catch up. And they come to things when I'm doing public stuff. We're actually. They're on their way to Vegas right now, and I'm following them Friday morning. We're going to TAM, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, – I, I can't drop any names, mostly because it might all just flop, and we won't talk to anybody important. Right, but, right. But we have a few VIP interviews that we're trying to work out um, for the film and just to kind of get people's perspectives. So my, it'll be my first time going to TAM. I don't know if you guys have ever been, but I'm really excited. Bill Nye, the science guy, is going to be there. and that's yeah, great. And Dan Dennett and a few others. So I'm, oh, I'm, wow. yeah. I'm pretty psyched about it. We are, I, I was at the onset of the, the, the top of the, of the interview or the talk here with you. I said that we run our show a little differently than, than the venerable Penn Jillette, Um, because I know you interviewed, you were on his show and like six months later, they, they put the show up. Yeah. You know, it was, um, he, I was in Vegas one weekend and one of his guys called me and was like, Hey, can you, do Sunday morning. And I really had to hightail it back to LA Sunday. So I had breakfast with him and his like friend who helps him run things. And, but I wasn't able to do the show. And then, so the next week I came back deliberately to do the show and he already had another guest lined up for that week. So they put it in their, I forget what they call it, but sort of their archive of shows that they play when Penn's on vacation or taking a week off. In in lieu of a best of episode, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. So, well, because I know you had said, "Oh, I'm going to be on the show," and then it was like six months, five months later, four months later that the show came out. I'll let you know this will be up tomorrow. <laughs> well, thank you. I do hope to see Penn again, though. We're, we are scheduled. Well, it's not. I would scheduled is a bit, saying it a bit too strongly. We, we are uh, hoping to uh, meet up and and check in. So hopefully that'll be. Yeah, that's great. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, Brittany has, has tweeted back and forth with him a few times and uh, just a, a massive intellect on a guy without formal education. It's a, yeah. He's a true autodidact and it's, it's awesome to see. And he pulls it out of his head off the top of his head too. It's just the, the amount of uh, – I've met a few people like him in my life. I think it's not exactly a photographic memory but he, he retains an immense amount. And to pull yeah. off the magic shows and, and the illusions that they do – you you'd have to be incredibly intelligent and smart to I, I'm just blown away by what they do. Yeah, so he he uh he's a little too chummy with uh the human cesspool uh Donald Trump. But yeah. other than that, I think we'll let him pass on that. Well maybe he needs to check his privilege. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to check something. Yeah. God damn. Exactly. <laughs> so we appreciate you coming on, Ryan. And uh and, and Jesse appreciate I, it. We look forward to, to seeing you next time when uh, maybe John Christie's back in town <laughs> schlep, schlepping a movie. <laughs> excellent, excellent, or sooner, whenever. All right, thanks, right thanks guys. All right, see you later. Bye. Yeah, that was good. Very, that was great. Very happy he came on. Um, super nice guy. We did meet him. I think we mentioned it in the past when we went to the screening of... My uh, Week in Atheism. My Week in Atheism, John Christie's movie. Um, with also David Smalley of uh, Dogma Debate podcast. Yeah. And we got to meet Ryan and um, very, very nice guy. Super smart. Um, it's nice to meet a guy who you don't necessarily see eye to eye with completely, but you know you can articulate both of your viewpoints and ideas and, and have a, a civil conversation. 
Yeah, it's also nice because sometimes voice is lost during internet comments. Yeah, no you, shit. You can't read how someone <laughs> might be talking. So it's nice to be able to have a conversation about different topics. And even if you, you disagree about things, it's nice to be able to have a civil conversation. Yeah. So. so I would invite everybody to check out A Year Without God, his Facebook page. Um, all you have to do is he also has a blog that runs through pathios.com. All you have to do, though, is just just Google a year without God or Ryan Bell and a litany of links and shit for you to read is going to come up. So a very articulate guy. We really appreciate him coming on the show. And uh, hopefully uh, in a few months when he hits his year mark, we will be one of the shows that he stops by to uh, to check in and and give an update. To see if he's, or an official decision. Yeah, to see what what decision he's come to relative to his year without God. So with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. This has been quite the super show. So we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, we appreciate you listening very much. As always, go rate and review us on iTunes. What is stopping you? What are you doing with your life that you haven't rated and reviewed us? It needs to be done. You need to go there. And if you haven't, you're not living your life right. You need This is your come to Jesus moment right now. Fact. <laughs> uh, also, um, dollamore.com. Listen, there is a link there that is an Amazon search bar. If you need a book or you need to buy bonobo food, <laughs> I'm sure they sell pet food. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Maybe I'm sure I bet you they do sell primate ape food. I I bet you they do. You could probably buy Brian the Bonobo you, off of Amazon. <laughs> you very well could. He's probably for sale you right could now. Certainly buy the book about Brian the Bonobo on Amazon, which is what again? Animal Madness: How Anxious Dogs, Compulsive Parrots, and Elephants in Recovery Help Us Understand Ourselves. Perfect. Well, there you go. It's quite the title. All right. So this is it. We appreciate you listening. This has been episode 36. We love you. We appreciate you listening. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. People might look at you and say, well, look at you, you know, Miss Newport Beach. And credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.